Now that I've convinced everyone to vote for me to do the intro, I don't know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you had a fact ready. I have a fact. All right, good. It better be a banger, too. It's not that It's not that good. I, w- I was like trying to think of my favourite ones. I was like, I've said them all. No more <laughs> content. I am, a, I am a sponge that is dried up. Well, um, I'm glad that I don't have to give a fact this week because I'm working on that chapter and I'm just putting it all into the writing this week. I'm just putting it all into the writing this week. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Bonnets at Dawn. I am your host, Hannah Chapman, and I am Team Austin. And I am your host, Lauren Burke, Team Bronte. Now this week, I put a little poll on Facebook and I said, who should do the intro? And the winner will give you a fact. And that winner was me. So I have a fact for you. Lauren, are you ready? I'm ready. I closed all my windows that had my fact open on it. No! <laughs> but I remember it. I remember it, sort of. And You're a need... fact tease. I am a fact tease. So um, a contemporary writer of Jane Austen's... No, she is a writer who is contem- Jane Austen's contemporary. This is why I don't do the intro usually, people, because I can't, I can't speak. Frances Burney was Jane Austen's contemporary. She was also a writer, and she wrote a book called Cecilia, which was published in, like, the second half of the... 18th century and in that book the phrase pride and prejudice comes up like a bunch of times like four or five times in this sentence and Jane Austen definitely read Frances Burney's books and then in 1813 when Pride and Prejudice was published it was called Pride and Prejudice I like it that's where that's from I mean I get it titles for things are hard I really struggle with titles I tend to steal them from like song lyrics so I'm on board with this. I once named a uh, like university paper that I wrote uh, the just the same name as the example we'd been given to read because I I think I like subconsciously absorbed it and then I gave it a different name that I didn't like and then I changed it to this like snappy name and then my lecturer was just like you have plagiarized this title <laughs> and it was horrible. <laughs> it was so embarrassing. But yeah, that's my fact. It's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. I had a great one for Brontes, but, um, you know, you will never hear it now. Sorry, Speaking guys. of the Brontes, I woke up this morning to a weird tweet. <laughs> it was horrible. Me, me too. Me too. So we were, um, like, recently talking about Brownwell Bronte on Twitter, because that's what we do. And this account that alleges to be Brownwell Bronte tweeted at us like just out of the blue and say I went to bed really late last night because I was doing my dissertation and then I woke up looked at my phone and there's just I'm being spoken to from beyond the grave it's true (laughs) I'm gonna I'm just trying to find it so like it's it's pretty funny actually like if so if you are on Twitter then you should go and follow at Branwell Bronte and it's like, there will always be those who try to spoil it, but they are a minority. We know who wrote my sister's novels, my sisters and no one else. Oh, wait. Yeah. Branwell Bronte's on our side. I thought that Branwell Bronte said that he wrote it. And so I was really weirded out. And then I said, that's terrifying. But the ghost of Branwell's actually a nice guy. 
Yeah, the ghost of Branwell was, you know, he's a nice guy. And then he said, I said, someone said something like, oh, I would rather talk to your sisters. And he was like, now that's not very nice. I came all the way from beyond the grave. The least you could do is offer me a drink, a spirit perhaps. And by that point, I was just creased up. It was so funny. (laughs) Man, I should like read things before I react to them. You know. That's what I've learned from this encounter. (laughs) Well, you guys should be following us at Bonnets at Dawn on Twitter. And that way you can have your own um, interactions with Branwell from beyond the grave. Maybe one day we'll get a Charlotte in there. Yeah, maybe Charlotte will like, someone will say Branwell Bronte in the mirror three times and then Charlotte will come out and be like, ha ha ha, works this way. That would be great because I have some things to fact check. So, um, you know. That could happen. Ask her a couple my of life questions. a lot, a lot easier. Yeah. So uh, this week, Lauren, who are we interviewing? This week we are interviewing Sophie Andrews, and she um, is the founder of Laughing with Lizzie at Blogspot. Um, she's had this blog going for a little while now. It is a Jane Austen themed blog. This is a Jane Austen themed episode. We do tend to alternate. If you guys don't notice, some people don't notice. We do alternate. So one week's Bronte, one week's Austin. I didn't. And then eventually we do. (laughs) I have like a pattern here. There's a rhyme and a reason to the show. I just do what I'm told. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, of course, except for the month of November, which will be Gaskell. Gaskell. Anyway. Anyway, um, we had a lovely interview with Sophie Andrews. Um, we did this back in July, and it was the week that she happened to be starring in, basically, the documentary My Friend Jane, which is um, really interesting, and you guys should check it out on BBC iPlayer. But only if you have a TV license, guys. Come on. Or, like, you know, just the internet. Yeah, I'm just saying that because I don't have one, so we don't watch iPlayer. Oh, I see. Well, I watch it with, um, like, Tunnel Bear. So there are ways. Is that legal? Sure. Is this like that time when you were like, (laughs) I'm going to buy this book and scan in all the pages and then put it on our Facebook? (laughs) Yeah, he's like, just like, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, gorilla vids. (laughs) I haven't paid for a cinema ticket in 10 years. (laughs) Well, you know, it's legal ish. The lines are murky. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this interview. I did. Um, so I officially was introduced to Jane Austen when my mother showed me the 2005 film with Keira Knightley. Um, that came out and I was nine. Okay. Um, and sh- she showed me the film. Um, and I enjoyed the film. And I think I loved Mr. Darcy, but I was a little too young to fully understand and appreciate um, Austen's language. Mm-hmm. Um, it was then when I was going to be studying Pride and Prejudice for my school exams um, when I was 16 that I I read the book and got completely hooked and um, uh, learnt about Austen's genius in her writing. Um, and so it was from that point on that I was completely... Um, obsessed and hooked by Jane Austen. That's like a pretty classic story. We ask this from everyone in the podcast and that's pretty much like 
what the answer that most people get like they yeah, saw a movie school. they were a little bit young and then they yeah, yeah in school they kind of were reintroduced so yeah it is a classic story um i mean for me at school i was um i was in a quite a, i was in a private girls school and so the mm-hmm. class size was quite small mm-hmm. um in my class i was sort of the only one who or at least admitted to liking jane austen oh really um, yeah i think um it was kind of seen as uncool. Okay, gotcha. Um, it was sort of not a, yeah, it's, you know, old-fashioned English romance novel, not novel, basically, for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't cool if you, if you enjoyed it. I think there were a couple that secretly enjoyed it a little bit, but okay. um, I was the one that, the only one that sort of got fully into it and I would stay behind after classes with the teacher and, you know, mm-hmm. all the, all that classic. Um, and I remember thinking and feeling um very alone in my love of Jane Austen which, which is ludicrous when you know how big the community is but at right. the time I thought oh I want to find someone else who I can talk to about Austen and that was mm-hmm. when I eventually went online oh that's lovely I you know it's funny um because Hannah and I know each other from sort of a different world we're like comics writers and editors so we're sort of in mm. a different scene and yeah. in that scene, we're like the only two that are sort of obsessed with Jane Austen and the Brontes and everything. And yeah. so, yeah, it was kind of like, you know, we were just happy to find each other. And yeah, and exactly what you're right. You're totally right when you're saying like, it seems ludicrous because there's so many of us. Yeah, I know it does. But I think until you, you realize the the huge community that there is, particularly online and how everyone connects, um, I mean, until you're part of it, you don't realize it's there. Yeah. Um, and even the community with all the events and the, the physical meetings up, not just on lo- online. Um, again, until you know about them and start getting involved, you don't realize just how many things there are for Jane Austen yeah. all around England and around the world. Um, so, no, finding online. I started on the website Goodreads mm-hmm. um, and I went went from there to it was one of my friends on Goodreads who um, suggested about me starting my blog, okay. which was how I then ended up getting onto Facebook and it yeah went from there. So did you start that blog when you were um, still in school, when you were like 16, I 17? I did. Okay. Yeah, I was 16. Um, and yeah, no, I'd, I'd sort of studied the novel and uh, then I'd started, re- I read um, her remaining five novels and then I started looking into her juvenilia and her letters mm-hmm. and I got my hands on all the adaptations I possibly could. Um, and it was someone I got chatting to regularly on the Goodreads website who said, oh, you've got, you've got loads to say about Jane Austen, why didn't you start a blog or something? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, no, I don't think I could and I didn't know <laughs> where to start. So she said, look, leave it with me and helped me set up my blog. Oh, lovely. Um, and said, you know, I'll, I'll help you get started. Um, and she did. She set up a beautiful blog. I have just redesigned it. So the, mm-hmm. the design that she did for me is no longer there. But, um, yeah, no, it was with her encouragement as well as a couple of other friends when I sort of said, oh, someone said I should start a blog. What do you think? Um, really encouraging, sort of, and with a lot of persuasion. <laughs> Excuse the pun. Um, no, we love puns here. <laughs> Um, I, yeah, I, I went for it and, um, then, you know, that was when I was 16 back in 2012. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, five, six years later, here I am just having been in a BBC documentary. So the, um, the journey has been unbelievable and, um, it, it has been really interesting. I mean, I never imagined that, um, 
anyone would read my blog and to be mm-hmm. honest I didn't really mind I just sure. it was a nice place to just post my ramblings about Jane and yeah I I made a lot of my essays I'd written for school into blog posts and posted them okay um and yeah I didn't really mind if no one watched it or read it but then it started to grow and mm-hmm. then I to about two years into my blog I went onto Facebook and um it, it's been fascinating seeing just how worldwide her popularity reaches yeah absolutely. Um, I mean it's, she's a proper worldwide phenomenon um mm-hmm. I, America is by far my biggest following then I have all the places that you oh really think. oh yeah, yeah easily um, oh interesting she's uh, on Facebook, I know I have a follower in every state of America. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it really is. Um, she's, yeah. Number, yeah. Her number one is America. Second is England. And then okay. I have places like France and Germany and um, the typical places like that. And then I have the more unusual places like Japan and um, South Korea and even mm-hmm. Syria. I've had someone contact oh, me from wow. Syria. Oh, my gosh. Which was... Um, yeah, very, very surreal that was. Um, so, no, it re- she really does go to um, all um, corners of the globe. I think yeah. at my last count, I had over about about 100 different countries that I've had readership from for my blog. That's amazing. Is, um... <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no worries. Pause there. <laughs> no worries. Hopefully I, uh... some of my family will get that. <laughs> I was... Is that a landline phone? Yeah, it is. Oh, that's yeah. hilarious. Because <laughs> I'm like, is this your ringtone? No, that's our land. That's our landline. Sorry, Mom's no, you're now. fine. I like to um, tease Hannah whenever her phone goes off that it's like actually like a bumble or a tender alert. When <laughs> <laughs> she always gets anyway. mad at me. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, um, we should say that the uh, the blog is laughing with Lizzie. Yes, I haven't mentioned the name of my blog yet. Oh, that would help. That's all good. Um, <laughs> and uh, how'd you come up with that title? Um, well, actually, I can, again, I can take no credit for that. That was my fantastic friend over in America. Oh, nice. Um, she knew that um, Lizzie Bennett was my favorite heroine and the mm-hmm. one that I most related to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, she literally just said, look, leave it with me for a week. And she sent me back a link and said, how's that? Mm-hmm. And there was laughing with Lizzie and I thought it was a brilliant title she, oh, we did nice. discuss a couple of ideas and I came up with the um I can take some credit for it I came mm-hmm. up with the tagline um the ideally love a laugh because I really like that quote mm-hmm. um but um yeah no and it's been um that has sort of worked out to be a really good title for my blog because I have had um I do have a good laugh doing doing my blog and going yeah. around to all the events and just having fun which I think is important. So now that friend from Goodreads, have you guys met in person? No, we haven't. Okay. I mean, I would love it if we could. Have um, you made it over here to America before? I haven't. No, Um, I would like to come to America. I mean, I've got Mm -hmm. so many friends out there. I could probably just do a tour and stay with all my friends out there in America. Um, And I would like to come over um, eventually to, to America um, and it's fair you say Austin's so so big over there. It yeah. would be nice to to come over sometime, but haven't quite um, got round to organising that. That'd be quite a quite a big trip. So yeah, it, it, I totally understand. Um, well, if you do, I'm just throwing this invitation out here. 
Um, and I'm throwing this out to a lot of uh, friends of the show and, you know, fans and whatnot. Um, we are going to go to the Jane Austen Festival in Kentucky next year. And okay. um, that one in Louisville is, um, I think it goes back and forth. Like sometimes, depending on the year, I think it's a, it's either as big as the one in Bath or, you know, like it goes, it goes, mm. it, so it's huge. It's a huge festival. It's a big one. It's yeah. the, definitely the biggest in North America. Um, and uh, next year, their theme is Persuasion, which is uh, my co-host Hannah. It's her favorite book of all time. Oh, uh, it's her favorite. Yeah. So um, we are definitely going to go down there and do like a meetup and something special. So if you can get... Ah. There, you should join us. We'll just, you know, have a great time. If you can get to Chicago, you can road trip down with us if you like. So um, Chicago is a bit easier because I know um, I go back and forth between London and Chicago a lot. It's a nice direct flight. It's uh, seven hours. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's not seven hours. That's not too bad. It's not too bad. So, um, you know. When when is that? What time of the year? That will be next uh, July. July. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some time to consider it. Exactly. Some time yeah. to consider. Some time to save up. We're we're pressuring <laughs> a bunch of people because we'd love to do something fun, like a big meetup, a big party. So yeah, yeah. If you fun. if you can do it, it would be a great first trip to America. I think too. Yeah. I'll um. Yeah. No. I'll bet. I'll bet. I'll definitely um think about that and have a look into that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Hit me up if you if you if you get serious. Yes, I will. <laughs> um, you're no, like I. So I'm really very new to sort of these kind of events, but you are mm. you are a pro, <laughs> so it's good. Yes. So um, when did you make the leap from sort of like blogging about Jane Austen and like I'm I'm guessing you were sort of like writing like book reviews or your thoughts about the books and yeah, that sort of thing. That- that sort of thing and I mean sort of I say my essays from school so that would have been you know analyzing the Netherfield ball or something Mm -hmm. you know along those lines and so the blog's 2012 I think it was 2014 the summer of 2014 that I attended a couple of events at the Jane Austen Regency Week which is held in June in Alton and Chawton area in in Hampshire every year Mm -hmm. and I attended a couple of events there not in costume um and then it was 2014 September Bath that I did my first costumed event, um, and that was the the promenade. Um, mm-hmm. And then I've just gone from there. I got completely um, hooked into putting on the historical clothing and going and just being among like-minded people because mm-hmm. it's all very well chatting to people online, um, but actually physically being there with other people and Mm -hmm. the the face-to-face communication you can't beat that so yeah um it just has a a different feel when you actually attend events um and I've met my my now group of my friendship group uh what we call ourselves the Jane Austen Pineapple Appreciation Society oh Um, cute okay you're gonna tell me (laughs) about that name that's adorable (laughs) Um, and I, I've met all of them through the meeting at the Jane Austen Festival. And mm-hmm. we're all um, younger. I mean, I'm only 21 now, mm-hmm. 16 when I started my blog. And um, we're all younger in our group. And we meet up and just, just have fun. So, you know, the, um, it, 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 there is something special and something different to actually making the effort and going somewhere to be among the Jane Austen fans. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the atmosphere in the community at these events is very unique i mean um you you'll just talk to a random stranger and 
you just have you know you're there because you have that common love of Jane Austen so you immediately have something which connects you Mm -hmm. and um it it, it, yeah it's it's really um really special now for that first event where did you get your outfit ah well I had been looking around and I had a lovely lady called Sarah Marshall who's of um gowns and glory um she commented on my post on my Facebook page mm-hmm. um, and said, oh, I, I might be able to help you. And, um, yeah, she she sort of helped me through the process and suggested um, a dress style. And she did me a fantastic deal because she knew I was, you know, um, just out of school and right. didn't have um, a, a huge budget. Um, and no, it was it was um, she was absolutely amazing. And the dress fitted perfectly and oh, I remember putting it on for the first time it was so exciting mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I mean sure. I, have, I had I have a lot more dresses now but the, the first time sort of putting the dress on and the little Spencer jacket and mm-hmm. just looking at yourself in the mirror it just feels you're like oh I feel like I'm in an Austin novel <laughs> I'm when very I excited that, and my my costume was a bit um the dress and the Spencer were lovely but I mean the rest of my accessories it was all a bit a bit naff really compared mm-hmm. to how I do it now I do it more properly now right um, but it was still really exciting it you was gotta, really exciting you gotta start somewhere yeah exactly and um, before I actually had my proper regency dress I would buy all the maxi dresses from the shops you know with an empire because you do get maxi dresses with an empire um, waistline from mm-hmm. modern shops and I would have like a straw sun hat which I'd add ribbons to so I did the proper Austin land uh, sort of as far Austin as I could make out of modern clothing before yeah. I actually got a proper agency dress. That's a good idea, though. I might start that way, actually. Yeah. Just like it, a it, soft it, entry. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, I mean, we've got some great shops over here which um, have some pretty dresses which, as I say, maxi dresses and have the Empire waistline, so work quite well as a sort of in-between stage just heading mm-hmm. towards Regency. Now I should ask, just curious, where are you located in England, actually? I am in um, Berkshire in a place called Reading, which is, putting it into context, about, well, half an hour on the train from London. Okay, gotcha. Just curious. No, that's right. I was like, "Hmm, have I been there? No, I haven't. Been all over England, but like random, yeah. random spots, random spots. Mm-hmm. I think most people, if they're coming this direction, they stick to London. Reading is worth coming to. We have some gorgeous, um, uh, we have some, a good museum, which we have the only copy of the Bayer Tapestry. Um, oh. Jane Austen was also, um, she was schooled for 18 months in yeah. Reading. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, I might so have to like, we, come over, and swing, swing by, see what's going on. Yeah. If if you yeah if you do, then uh, yeah, let me know and. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Meet up. Um, we've also got the gorgeous Basildon Park on the outskirts of Reading, which was the which played Netherfield Park in the 2005 film. <gasps> oh, perfect. Well, then I, I absolutely yeah. have to go there. Oh, I'd happily show you around there. I've, I'm a volunteer there, so I know the house oh, well. Oh, so that's where you volunteer? Oh, my God. Yes, that's the one so, where I volunteer. I volunteer at Netherfield. Then when did you make the jump to volunteering? I like how you're just kind of like you creep in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I, I've, I've sort of, I've always lived in this area of, um, Reading mm-hmm. and I've sort of grown up visiting Basildon Park. I've got so many memories there as, as, as a child. It was our place to go of a Sunday afternoon. Um, so I 
was as I was recovering from some ill health, I was looking for ways to start getting back on my feet a bit and slowly get, um, getting myself back to doing things mm-hmm. and volunteering was quite a good way um and so that was when I was how old was I I think I was 19 oh. when I started volunteering at Basildon and it's been great fun you meet all sorts of people and I, I play the piano sometimes I'll go and sit and play Jane Austen music um for a day and um it's I just I love Basildon for Basildon but I love mm-hmm. Basildon as well because of the yeah being Netherfield Park I thought yeah. it was a very good Netherfield <laughs> sounds lovely that's just like a lovely way to spend your day too just play the piano there you had a beautiful location um yeah i either do that or i'll I'll be what they call a room guide and Mm -hmm. um you know be watching the room but mostly in there to to answer questions people come around and the the history of the house is fascinating i mean it is a regency house built Mm in 1780s so it's perfect era for jane austen do you get a lot of crazy american tourists that come through there yep yeah we do (laughs) Um, particularly Downton Abbey fans, because oh. it was used um, twice in the Downton Abbey series. So yeah, no, I'm afraid we do get some crazy American yeah, happens. through asking happens. Um, somewhat odd questions, I have to say. <laughs> Would you be willing to give us one of those odd questions? I can give you one of those odd oh, questions. Like, the best one I've ever had um, was someone came in and she said, um, oh, what can you... Can you tell me um, when did the Downtons live here? <laughs> and that's just wrong on so many counts. I'm like, one, that's a fictional TV show. Two, they're the Granthams. It's just called Downton Abbey. Right. And three, can't I tell you about who actually lived here? <laughs> oh my god, I'm not surprised. Yeah. I was like, oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> I was on. Um... God, this was years ago. I was in Bath and I think I was at the Fashion Museum. Oh, And yeah. I had a little tour through there. And I don't know if it was like a curator or volunteer. And um, before I even started it, um, there were these other Americans who were on the tour with me. And they just like immediate, immediately as our like guide came through, like they started asking these like crazy yeah. questions. And they were yeah. really loud. Yeah. And um, then I just like faked a British accent for the rest of the tour because I didn't want to be associated <laughs> nice. with them. I was like, I'm not American. <laughs> I oh, know. I love that. That's brilliant. Um, <laughs> it was probably like the worst accent that tour guide is probably like, <laughs> I had these weird Americans and then this strange girl. <laughs> well, I don't know where she was from. Yeah. yeah unclear. <laughs> okay. So um, now you are you are very serious. You're very deep in the world of, of Janeites. Completely, yes. You are deep in there. You're doing Regency Weeks. You're doing... It was funny when we were trying to schedule this interview and you're yeah. like, oh, I just came from Regency Week and I have a house party. I was like, oh my God, she, like every weekend this girl's... Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, it has been particularly this year. There's so many balls and so many events and I've tried to do everything I possibly could because it's such a big year. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I really do I really do go for it now. <laughs> So um, how did the BBC sort of like get in contact with you? Because I should just say you were featured in the documentary My Friend Jane, which just aired this last week. Yes, it's been such an exciting adventure. Mm-hmm. Well, um, they got in contact with some general um, sort of Jane Austen related uh, sort of communities, the, the, the well, really well known ones like the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was through them and some people that, they started talking to that um, 
I, I was recommended to them to get in touch with me, mm-hmm. um, which is how a lot of the really lucky things that I've been involved with, it's all been through word of mouth. Everyone's very kind. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then he emailed me and came, came around to visit and asked me if I would be the main contributor of the program. So <laughs> I was... It was unbelievable. I was very fortunate and mm-hmm. um, it was a real um, opportunity and a privilege to um, to be able to be involved in such a program for in such a special year. Mm-hmm. And I know I know you've watched the program um, and I feel it it portrays the Jane Austen community in a really nice way because mm-hmm. um, there's always a fear with these sorts of media things that they'll twist your words and sure. do a mick take of you. So there is always that fear, but I mean, he, um, Rich George, the producer, was always very genuine from the start, and I didn't have any fears on that count. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as from a personal point of view, I thought it would be a really good opportunity to to break or readjust the stereotype that exists for Jane Austen fans, um, which is sort of that Jane Austen fans are only middle-aged women or older. Right no young people like Jane and obviously being 21 and, and another friend of mine Zach Pinsent who's 23 was in the program and you saw um, again our Jane Austen Pineapple Appreciation Society were featured having a picnic and we're all younger so yeah. it was really nice to sort of say actually no we you know there are some some of us who are much younger and love to um, celebrate and um, Jane in, in as well you know yeah. whether that be going to balls or having picnics and house parties or if it mm-hmm. be sitting down having an academic conversation about Jane Austen we we do right. we do we do both there's a lot of ways to show your appreciation which is what I'm definitely <laughs> discovering from this podcast um and what I say on this podcast all the time too when I'm interviewing people because I'm interviewing people who um like you who are sort of you know deep in the community um what's sort of amazing to me is like how this has been um especially for women, like a way to sort of like reach out and connect with other people and like meet some of their best friends of their lives and also yeah. start business ventures as well. Oh, um, completely, completely. Um, it, it is unbelievable. Um, I also think for, for many women, um, it definitely is the case for me, Jane Austen was a form of escape into her, her people. Um, found her novels and got so passionate because they were they would read her during a difficult time yeah and escape into her world because the world she paints is a very a very it's a very happy world she says mm-hmm. let other pens dwell on guilt and misery um mm-hmm. and that's what she does she doesn't include the more um unseemly side of society mm-hmm. um it's not that she obviously didn't know about it she had brothers in the navy and everything she just right. didn't want to write about it which i um being one of those ladies that escaped into her novels when I was having a difficult time, mm-hmm. um, I, I completely sort of understand where she's coming from and, and I'm glad that she did because they were my escape. Um, and that is another really common theme among Janeites. Oh, um, yeah. Really, really common. Um, I mean, you even get people like um, J.K. Rowling is a big advocate for Jane Austen because she says Jane Austen brought her out of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not this isn't a new thing. Um, did you know that Jane Austen was practically prescribed by doctors in during World War One to soldiers suffering from shell shock? Oh, yes, I have heard this. Mm. Yes, yeah. it's, it's fascinating. She had a big um, 
sort of revival during World War One, when there was um, a copy of Emma got passed around one of the trenches and there were letters home written about it. And then, mm-hmm. as I say, doctors were telling soldiers to read Jane Austen to, you know, this is the England we're fighting for, I right. suppose. Um, but no, so the she's always been there for people to um, escape to. Yeah, absolutely. She's lo- she's um, it's funny. I was just editing the episode. Uh, we have an episode with a woman um, named Joe Turner, and she runs Josephine's Chocolates, and mm-hmm. they do Jane Austen inspired chocolates. Ah, and we were we were also talking about escapism and comfort, and she yeah. was talking about how chocolate is like a comfort food. And how that's how, like one of the the ways that these sort of like join together mm. with her company. With, yeah. And it's just, it, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, if you, you're, you're sad or sad or upset or something, just grab a Jane Austen novel and a box of chocolates and you'll yeah, be fine. Exactly. Yeah, completely. No, yeah, that's, yeah, very true. So it's, <laughs> it's comfort and escapism. And um, I think that's really lovely. And I love the way that it, it brings people together because everyone uh, I've it, talked to on this podcast yeah. has met their best friends of their lives are really, yes, you know, like I have via definitely. this. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, before um, Jane and when I, before physically starting to go to the events and starting to meet up with people I've been talking to online, I mean, my, my school friends um, that I had in the later parts of my school career all went off to university and I, I couldn't due to ill health. So mm-hmm. I got, rather left on my own mm-hmm. and you know I was at home and you know tw- you know sort of 18 with no one my own age to sort of socialize with so when I started coming across people um and meeting up with them it was just uh, you know fantastic because I could completely be myself with them and we immediately had that connection and many of them um even though I may have only met them properly maybe 2015 early 2016 I feel like I've known them forever and yeah. we, we will be lifelong friends that's so lovely it, like, it, 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 it is incredible and you've you know made costumes with them and I'm sure you've learned to dance as I saw in the documentary yes yes I um go to the dancing with them and yeah some of them are teaching me to sew and mm-hmm. we get up to all sorts of say our, our our society is called the Jane Austen Pineapple Appreciation Society so which that- isn't quite as mad as it sounds why why the pineapple so the the pineapple in the regency era was um it was a really big thing it was a real symbol of wealth Mm -hmm. um if you could because pineapples were new and exotic and foreign (laughs) if you could afford a pineapple then oh you were yeah this was this was a good a good thing right so they would cost about £85 a pineapple in old money, which Ooh. is a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so, and people would, would buy them and then they would they would actually rent them out to other families so that they could be seen to have a pineapple <laughs> at their party. It, it's hilarious. That's amazing. It's brilliant. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, and if you go to historic houses which are built around that time, for example, Basildon Park... Um, they will have pineapples engraved into the architecture. Basildon has two pineapples on its gateposts. Um, it, if you know about the pineapple thing, they're mm-hmm. everywhere. They even, there was like, I've got um, a pineapple shaped reticule and that was from a historical pattern. And they would have, they had some pineapple print dresses and everything. Oh my gosh. It was, 
it was just a massive deal. Um, in Northanger Abbey, General Tilney talks about having a pinery. Um, and yeah, no, yeah. so in the Regency, the pineapple really was a, um, a big deal, which is why we went as a bit of a laugh, the Pineapple Appreciation Society. I love it. Just it. Ha- it happened incidentally, really. We were having a meet-up in, during the festival and my friend Emma had been to a charity shop and there was a wooden pineapple for sale and, and she mm-hmm. bought it knowing about the Regency and the pineapple. And then... Um, yeah, and the Pineapple Appreciation Society was um, was formed. That's amazing. I um so with this podcast, we have a lot of artists who are attached because um because of you know coming from comics, and then we also have a book yeah. project that we're working on, and so we we commission a lot of art, and we um have some enamel pens that we're making, and now uh-huh. I want to make a Jane Austen pineapple pen. I will oh! send you guys one if we do it. Oh I'm yes, a- please. <laughs> But now I'm like, do you mind if I go ahead and make an enamel pen? No, do it. That would be fun. Okay, cool. I'm going to do it. I'll send you some designs. and um, Yeah, that would be great. I think that would be a great yeah, pen. That would be really fun. Yeah. Um, but no, because really the the pineapple thing sounds completely random. But when you know why we went for it, it does make sense. Yeah. Um, and now I'm um, going to be on the lookout every time yes, I go do. to an older house. Yeah. Yeah, because really they're, they're everywhere. And obviously pineapples are still a symbol. They're a symbol of welcome, I think, in America, quite a lot of places in America mm-hmm. still today. But no, in the Regency, it was mostly, look at me, I can afford to have a pineapple at my party. <laughs> <laughs> I love the renting of a pineapple as well. I know, isn't that brilliant? <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't eat it. It was just, look, I can just be the centerpiece of just the decoration, party. decoration, yeah. I can afford it. Look, look at me. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no, we, we make a big, we, we do mess around with pineapples a lot at our, our get togethers, like at our recent house party. Um, we, we would, we don't call ourselves reenactors. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we could do that. And some of our members are reenactors, but we like to get together and, and have fun. So we might start the evening having a musical soiree and mm-hmm. um but by the end of the evening we might all be dancing to the macarena so okay. uh, gotcha. <laughs> we, so you don't stay we, on form the entire time no yes okay we, we, i mean we could do um if we wanted to but we like to just meet up and relax and have fun yeah um we, we still do we obviously we will have a ball and we do the soirees but then we also like to do the more sort of what would probably be classed as silly things mm-hmm. But it's just it's just our way of um, celebrating Jane. I mean, yeah. we we've um, have ver- we've sort of we have various card games, and we we are. Do you know Do you know the card game Cards Against Humanity? Of course I do. Yes, <laughs> we've we've you might be pleased, we've written a Jane Austen version. Oh my God! <laughs> Can you send it to us? We've been doing a lot of Jane Austen gaming on this podcast, yeah. which those episodes haven't aired yet. But um, we actually even talked about doing sort of a Cards Against Humanity. We've beat you. We've beaten you. My God. Send it to me as soon as you can. I think you'd enjoy our pineapple house parties then. (laughs) I would love to go to a pineapple house party. Are you kidding me? We have fun. We do have fun. And we often do like murder mysteries as well and all sorts. We get out to. Yeah. It's good fun. If you're organizing a ball, like logistically, how do you go about that? Do you, who do you, (laughs) who do you contact? This is like a lot of work. It is. I mean, I had had experience from, I mean, the first, um, after the pineapples were formed in September 2015, we sort of went, oh, I know, we should have a house party in February. Mm-hmm. It'll be easy to organise. I regretted that statement very quickly after I said it. <laughs> 
Um, it certainly wasn't easy. I mean, I was 19 at the time. I was actually the youngest member, and yet it seemed to fall to me and my other friend um, to organise the whole thing. <laughs> um, but and it, logistically, yeah, there, there's a lot of headaches and um and like, I mean, there are about 20, 21 of us, I think, at that first house party. So booking okay. a big house. And we did everything from sorting out the accommodation to food and getting caterers in. And it's lit every single thing we, we dealt with. Um, and it was it was a real achievement. Um, yeah. I, it's like organizing for, a small wedding. too. It, it really is. And when it's, I mean, the, our house party was a week. So it was seven days, 20 people in one house needing to have food activities everything planned so it was quite an undertaking but it went very well and we had our mm-hmm. second one last year um as for the ball which you saw i organized for the bbc program um or rather i organized and the bbc end up ended up coming to mm-hmm. um i already had the the sort of contacts for caterers and um i knew who to contact for the the dancing from other balls i'd been to um sort of so that's why I got I knew Duke of Wellington dancers so I thought ah oh, they called this this that and the other ball so I know they could do that and same with the musicians okay so I've just kind of built up contacts and therefore knew who to to go to in organizing my own ball this is um a specialty have you thought about starting a business doing this I it has been suggested a few times okay. and I have I have sort of thought about it because I am currently trying to get back into employment after recovering from my um, health problems I've had. Mm-hmm. So it is an avenue that I am considering because yeah. um, obviously I've proven to myself that I, I can do it. So and there's obviously I think would be an interest because obviously as well as our, the pineapple style house parties, I could do the proper on form all the time house yeah. parties yeah, um, and events and things and balls. So, and, and there would be enough, knowing how popular all the events are throughout England, I think there would easily be enough take up. So it is something I am looking into and, and considering. Yeah, because we, um, we just had a Karen Milliard from Toronto and she runs like the Jane Austen Country Dancers in Toronto. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, that's a great business. She has great events. Um, yeah. I can't wait to do them. That's a big need. I wish there was something like that in Chicago, but um, a yeah. bit, bit tough. But, yeah, yeah. it's handy living in England. England's so small. It's <laughs> relatively, I can get to most of the events without too much. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> involved. Um, yeah, no, I am. I'm very lucky in my location, actually. It's an easy journey to Bath. It's um, an even easier journey to Chawton. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my nice Austin places are nice and easy for me to visit, which is convenient when you're a big Austin fan. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you were just at Winchester. I was. Um, I was at Winchester this morning as well, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, I was there on Tuesday, the 18th, for the bicentenary and going to the, the service in Winchester Cathedral, which was really really lovely they did a really lovely service and there were loads and loads of people there a lot of press as well and mm-hmm. um it was the launch of the 10 pound note as well they oh. unveiled the 10 pound note with jane austen on it so there was a lot of media attention um yeah mark, mark carney was there the governor of the bank of england oh wow um, yeah and i met him he came over to chat to us because we were in costume it was very exciting oh, lovely. Um, and then this morning i was back in winchester because they were doing um a sort of funeral procession okay um because 
Jane was buried six days after she died, so the 24th, which is today. Um, And so at exactly the same time that she left College Street to go to Winchester, um, we we walked that this morning. Oh, my gosh. It's funny. Just this morning, I was talking to someone and I was like, you, you wouldn't believe how many wakes of Jane, Jane Austen, like I've been invited yeah. to this month. <laughs> but yeah. they did. Yeah, they did a funeral procession at the uh, Jane Austen Festival earlier this month. And um, yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah. And everything, didn't they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah, we didn't go quite that far in England. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like, I love that the Americans took it too far. <laughs> slightly yeah um but no this morning was really nice um i've actually just shared a um a video on uh on facebook and on my twitter feed um and you'll see me at the procession i was interviewed by one of the news um channels um and no it was really nice we just sort of we did walk where she would have gone and then we just sort of had a a few readings in the cathedral but it was Mm -hmm. very tastefully done it was really nice actually what were the um readings out of curiosity um they did a some of quotes from um from cassandra's letter to her niece okay so the lovely line which i gave the title of my ball the the guild you know she was the son of my life the gilder of every pre- uh, the gilder of every pleasure the soother of every sorrow um that one and a couple of other quotes from that letter and then she also, they also read out a couple of verses from the uh, comic poem that Jane wrote three days before she, or rather dictated three days before she died, um, which is a brilliant poem. And she, they also uh, read a poem of Cowper as being um, one of Jane's favourite poets. Lovely. It was really nice, really that, nice. That's so, so nice. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sad that I like, missing all of these events this year but i'm Big so year. happy that you can tell me about them <laughs> <laughs> yeah no a very big year so now um circling back around just uh because i like to interrogate people about their favorites and their least favorites. <laughs> yes so your favorite book and heroine pride and prejudice lizzie bennett okay. easy 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 one <laughs> yeah and it always will be the the after that apart from i do have a firm least favorite in the ones in between move positions depending on my mood but pride sure. and prejudice is and always will be my favorite yeah in the same way lizzie bennett so um admirable and then what is the least favorite mansfield park yeah yeah that's pretty i'm afraid pretty typical answer um, yeah it is um i find it, Pride and Prejudice and Persuasion jostle for position at the top among fans, mm-hmm. but Mansfield Park is often towards the bottom. I mean, I do I do really enjoy it as a novel, and I love um, the different sort of slant that Jane takes in her slight indications towards her dis- disapproval of the slave trade and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, so... It, I, I, I do enjoy the novel, but of, of the other five... It is my least favorite. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. Not as keen as um, on Fanny Price as a heroine. I yeah. prefer the more strong, strong-willed and um, yeah, vivacious heroines like Lizzie. Yeah, I'm the same way. What are your thoughts on Anne, Anne Elliot? Just curious. <laughs> um, I like Anne because although she is obviously she's older and um, it's a chance of a uh, story of second chances. Um, and while she is quieter, she has still got a 
she's still got a strong character and um she's got a good good mind and i love some of the conversations that she has um Mm -hmm. with sort of bennick and um especially the one she's having with oh i've forgotten who it is now (laughs) that's embarrassing she's having with someone Mm -hmm. while um when Wentworth writing the letter and she's talking about um they're arguing over the who loves longest when all hope is gone in in relationships and talking about um have not are there not all the books in existence talking about the fickleness of women and she just comes back with but aren't all of those written by men yes yes exactly (laughs) I retweeted that quote the other day I was like that is one of my favorite I'm actually starting to come around to Anne I wasn't like a huge Anne favorite or or fan but yeah I'm starting to come around to her actually yeah I think um I think a lot of people in as they get older and reread Persuasion, um, Persuasion can sometimes take over as their favourite as they come to really appreciate the Second Chance story and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and come to appreciate Anne more. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm getting there. I'm not going to say officially yeah. until that episode, but uh, <laughs> it, it does seem to happen for quite a few people. Yeah. Now, um, Quickly, I wanted to talk to you about the uh, Jane Austen Literacy Foundation and sort of how ah, you yes. got connected with those guys. Well, I was contacted by Caroline Knight, who knew of my blog and my, um, you know, my presence on Facebook. And she got in contact and we had we had a Skype and um, got chatting. And then a couple of Skypes later, she asked if I would be um, if I would be up for being an ambassador for her charity, the Jane Austen Literacy Foundation. Um, and I was, I was honored, um, and was very much, uh, looking forward to the opportunity and mm-hmm. being there to represent, um, the online community. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of my role is sort of as a, as a blogger and an on uh, representing that as well as the younger generation of Austin fans as well. Right. And it, it's, it's been, really brilliant for me because as Jane Austen was there to um help me and she brought me to reading actually because before Jane Austen I never really read much I was a very active child and reading mm-hmm. was boring I just clearly hadn't found the book that clicked for me right but, um I didn't read until Austen really so as the way Austen brought reading to me it's nice to feel I'm doing something to bring reading to others and we're back Lauren, that was a great interview. Oh, thank you. So I really super lovely. It. Yeah. So like I'm well, I'm basically just now really excited to meet Sophie. Really excited to go to one of these dang pineapple parties. Mm-hmm. And I just yeah, it really struck me how similar I think our introductions were to it. Yeah. Mum yeah, introduces. We're finding a lot of that, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, but I think that's the strength of the community within the like the Austin community and the Bronte community is it, it's like a gift, isn't it? It's like passed down. So someone gives you a film to watch, and then you discover the book, or someone gives you the book, and then you go on to find the others. And like, I love, I, I do love that about it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I actually, this was kind of like a strategic decision to put um this interview with sophie next to the interview that we'll have next week with the sisters room blog yeah because yeah you're gonna see a lot of the similarities in their stories as well and um we just have a lovely discussion about 
yeah, what we're talking about, like finding your people and um, sharing literature and sharing experiences through literature and people that we love. So, um, yeah, I think that's like the greatest thing that's come out of this project. And also, Sophie said my favorite. <laughs> Sophie shared my favorite fact, not the rubbish one I shared in the intro. My favorite mm-hmm. one, which is about the trenches. Oh, yeah, that is a really good one, actually. And I was kind of like holding on to some of that, too. I I mean, I said it. I said it in the first episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put a little flag. I did sure. say it. You did but say it. But that's my favorite ever fact. And if I'm talking to someone that hasn't read Jane Austen, and they're a dude, I tell them that. Because dude, dudes like war. <laughs> it's that. Obviously. Yeah, it's a good one. And I think um, we should do a whole episode where we discuss Jane Austen in wartime. And um, yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit more with Devony Lucer as well. And can I talk about the Navy? Of course. I'm in. You love the I'm Navy. all in. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that would be fantastic. Um, so yeah, can't wait to have Sophie back on the show. And, and I can't wait um, to go to fake Netherfield House, that the name I've forgotten. Yes, that would be great too. We need <laughs> to do more like uh, historic homes. That's what we yes. need to be doing. Yeah. yeah. Tea room reviews. <laughs> yes, we should be doing that. That's it. So, done. all right. If people want to follow us online, Hannah, where should they go? This is the bit I do, guys. Come on. You can't give Lauren a hard time for the intros ever again, because I'm doing my bit. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at Bonnets at Dawn, and you can find us on Facebook without the at, just Bonnets at Dawn. It's a private Mm -hmm. group. Request to join. Look at my pictures of John Thorpe. Come and do opinion polls on who should do the intro. (laughs) And then really regret your vote because then you have to listen to my horrible intros. Oh no. It's a Not great horrible time. at all. Believe me, I'm very needy across all of our social media platforms. I didn't catch any of it. Sorry. <laughs> I said I'm I'll say it again just because we <laughs> It's not even that funny. I'm very needy across all of our social media platforms. Oh, is that what you said? That's what I said. (laughs) Zencaster. Zencaster. Zencaster is needier than I am. Oh my God, it is. Doing an intro and an outro for this show is so hard when it just cuts in and out, in and out. In and out. In and out. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us, and um, we'll talk at you next week. Bye.